0: The people are represented by two separate but equally obsessed attorneys. This is their podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Ceci. And I'm Angela. And this is the Bravo Docket. Hi, and welcome back to the Bravo Docket. Today we're going to be talking about a lawsuit that I have been dying to get to because I read a lot about it. I knew it was going to be juicy. It was a little bit silly, but the legal concepts are still applicable today. And it's probably the the claim that we hear about the most on the show. When someone gets pissed off, they say, I'm going to sue you for defamation. I'm going to sue you for slander. And that is what we're going to cover today. And it's the lawsuit between Brandy Glanville and Joanna Krupa, which, if you don't know... <laughs> What was said, uh, we'll say it. We'll give you some background, but it's uh it's a really interesting case. Do you want to give a background on who either of the parties are?
0: Yes. So I have to admit I was not really familiar with this lawsuit until Sessie told me about it I and mean, I kind of heard of it. But I knew that Brandy had been sued and like kind of the only thing I knew about it was when In the season where they were being so mean to Denise on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, um, they were saying, like, oh, Brandy never lies. Brandy is trustworthy, blah, blah, blah. And then somebody pointed out, well, she got sued for, like, slander and defamation. So maybe that's not true. Um, Brandy Glanville... Came on to The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. She showed up and she at the time was very pretty and was much younger than the other women. She was very tall, also on crutches. That's where I think like the infamous um, didn't Kyle Richards and Kim yeah. Richards hide her crutches like in a real mean yeah, girl at a party at Dana mm-hmm. slash Pam's party or whatever. Her empty house. Yes. Yeah.
1: was <laughs> So weird. Yeah, I mean, that, like, made them seem like total mean girls off the bat and her, her like, the, the little fawn that was being picked on. So I think, like, that gained her a lot of fan-like. I don't know the word. Fan approval?
0: Yeah, I really I really think it did. Um, I think I remember watching it and being like, oh, wow. Yeah. That they are mean to her. And I think, it, yeah, it definitely gave her kind of an underdog status and people started to really, like, root for her. Uh, I had no idea who Joanna Krupa was until we started researching for this lawsuit. I watched part of season three of The Real Housewives of Miami. She is an extraordinarily beautiful Polish model. She hosts Poland's next top model. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And then I think so. she's like real deal. Yeah. She's done a bunch of other stuff. And I mean, I seeing her on TV, I was like shocked at how pretty she is. Like it's shocking. Yeah. Um, And then in season three of The Real Housewives of Miami, uh, there's a whole storyline about how her and her fiancé are, like, not having sex. And, like, she goes to, like, a sex therapist. And, like, they're two very attractive people. And it, like, does not make sense as to why. Like, I'm like, why aren't you two banging each other? You're, like, rich and you have free time and you're both hot. Like, this does not make sense. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that has anything to do with anything of what it's not everything. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know? But it's just like, it's like, it's like, why aren't you banging? Like, what's wrong? Like, I don't, I don't get it. You're not even married yeah. yet, and you're already having trouble. Like, didn't it turn out he was cheating on her or something? I don't really know. Yeah, but going back to Brandy, like,
1: if people don't watch Beverly Hills, Brandy is always very outspoken, and she's the one that if you tell her something, she's going to repeat it um, and use it kind of as a weapon. She likes to like dig low and that's what made her kind of entertaining at the fur at, at, at the beginning. But then that was kind of what caused her downfall as well. She started saying things that were like really crossing a line with people. Um oh, yeah, just... she
0: didn't she isn't she the one that talked about um Adrian what's her last name? Oh yeah, the surrogacy. The surrogacy, yeah. which is just totally uncalled for. There's no reason to bring that up, especially when it involves they should have the right when to reveal that to their child. Like, I thought that was just totally yeah. uncalled for. And then she also yeah. slapped. I mean, she does it again and again. Yeah, she slapped Lisa Vanderpump, like, it, it, just thinking she was having a soap opera moment, moment and it was just totally just weird. Um, she started to get, like, really kind of off the rails, I think. Yeah, she
1: thought that's what would keep her on the show, so I think she just pushed it. And then... She was let go and then for some reason brought back last season in Beverly Hills with the Denise stuff, which did not land well, in my opinion. No, it definitely did not. But, yeah. So this case was filed by Joanna um, January 22nd, 2015. And she alleges, and this actually happened because it's on film. We can go and watch it if we wanted to. Brandy went on Watch What Happens Live, and for those who don't know what Watch What Happens Live is, it's Andy Cohen. He kind of is like the face of Bravo. Andy Cohen hosts this nightly late-night talk show, kind of, about housewives or Bravo. Sometimes there are Bravo celebrities on. Sometimes he'll bring on other celebrities that are just fans of Bravo, Um, and asks them kind of racy questions sometimes, does um, plead the fifth, which I think is kind of funny because it's like a legal spin on late night and just gets people to kind of like let their guard down. Maybe it's the alcohol too that helps, but they, they let their guard down and kind of reveal stuff that they wouldn't necessarily reveal on the show. And so this is the context for what happened with Brandy or what Brandy did. She went on Watch What Happens Live and said that Joanna slept with Mohammed Hadid, another key player in the Bravo universe. For those who don't know who Mohammed Hadid is, he is Gigi Hadid, Bella Hadid's father. He was once married to Yolanda, who is now back to Hadid, even though when we met her, she was Yolanda Foster because she was married to David Foster. He just keeps popping up. He's like LVP's Best friend. Yeah. I think that's how he's originally introduced. And then he's Yolanda's ex husband. That whole family. I mean, they need to do a show on the Hadid, Foster, Jenner, Kardashian link
0: because they're all linked. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you. That flowchart yeah. would be crazy. Like, it would look like one of those things where somebody, a crazy person's, like triangulating all the connections. Mm-hmm. Like,
1: yeah, because like David Foster who we saw on the show when Yolanda was on as her husband and then ex-husband, has gone through multiple women. One being Linda Thompson. Oh, wow. Who really needs to be on Beverly Hills. I think they need to get her on next. That family tree is massively huge. And then, you know, the Jenner and then blah, 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 blah. Anyway, (laughs) Mohammed Hadid. So Brandy is on Watch What Happens Live. She says Joanna slept with Mohammed Hadid while mohammed was married to yolanda and he told brandy that joanna's quote this is a quote pussy smelled <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: so like it, there was actually like a whole feud between and i had to like go back and read this there's like a whole feud between joanna and brandy and like it, brandy got set off because joanna tweeted like That's why her husband left her in response to something that Brandy said. And it's like, just, it was like Miami crossing over, feuding with Beverly Hills. And they were both saying, you know, not very nice things about each other. And Brandy is just like, bring it. I will say any horrible thing that I've heard, I'll happily repeat it. That just kind of seems to be like you said,
1: Sessie, her M.O. Right. And it's extra bad. And Jonna puts... Points this out in her complaint because it's on TV and people can go back and watch it. Which I did. It's there kind of forever. It's
0: broadcast. (laughs) It's still there. (laughs) Like, it's still there. It's still there. I was able to go back and watch it and be like, wow, that was not an exaggeration. She really
1: did say that. Really said it. And Brandy also claimed, or this is in the complaint, Brandy also claimed that LVP was there and heard it when Brandy heard it as well. So Brandy brought in Lisa Vanderpump to be like, You
0: know, she was standing there. We both heard it. Like, I'm just repeating what I heard. Yeah, really pointing a finger at Lisa, which is not Lisa Vanderpump, which is not very smart. She's like, well, Lisa Vanderpump, you know, was right there. Um, Right. And I think she later says that Lisa's the one that actually said it. And then Muhammad, like, kind of, like, nodded or affirmed or whatever. But
1: then, like, Lisa and Muhammad came out publicly and Yolanda, Hadid came out publicly and said they were false. This is in the complaint as well. Then on the Watch What Happens Live YouTube channel, there was like a late, late night after show, I guess, that Brandy appeared on. Brandy doubled down and when discussing Joanna, asked Andy if he had ever gotten food poisoning from bad sushi. (sighs) She also said she was stunning, but you can't help the odor situation. And that again is on television... You can watch it. People can watch it. Um, Just not a very polite thing to say about someone. No. So Joanna alleges that Brandy knew at all times that her statements were false. She says that on January 6th, 2015, before filing the lawsuit... Her counsel sent Brandy a letter informing Brandy that they intended to file the lawsuit and gave Brandy an opportunity to, to apologize and retract the statements that she made. They said Brandy never did and kind of just ignored their letter. So that that happens in lawsuits. You give, you know, why go through the whole song and dance of a litigation when you can just get it, get what
0: you want beforehand via a letter. So yeah, when you counsel clients when they come in and that, I mean- I, you usually recommend that. Say, okay, well, what's your ultimate goal? What are you trying to achieve with the law? And then, you know, they tell you. And then you're like, well, we might be able to accomplish this by simply sending a letter and asking them to, you know, do A, B, or C. So in this case, they sent a letter before filing the petition or the complaint and asking them, you know, Brandy, to retract her statement or apologize or whatever. But she did not. No. <laughs> and
1: then we can kind of discuss what, like, slander is, what defamation is, what libel is. But in the complaint, it just says that on the slander count, Brandy knew the statements would cause Joanna harm. When she said them, they were designed by Brandy to cause her harm, and as a direct and proximate result, Joanna suffered harm. And then slander per se, we'll get into what that means. It's kind of the same, but it's just that it's, like, so loathsome, incommunicable, disease, and acts of (laughs) anchesis. Can I repeat that?
0: (laughs) I'm having
1: trouble, like, reading.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Let let me read it. Because I really like, I like when... Yeah, I like this quote. Yeah, when attorneys have to translate something and they try to, like, translate something that's just crude and they try to put it in um, more delicate or elevated legal language. So what did they say, Ceci? (laughs) Oh my god. I don't know why sometimes when I read I
1: like skip a line while I'm reading. I don't know. Anyway, so they say the false statements published by Glanville wrongfully impute to Mrs. Krupa a presently existing venereal or other loathsome and communicable disease and acts of unchastity.
0: I really like the acts of unchastity.
1: <laughs> I, lo- I know. I love you that. You could just say cheating or you know adultery,
0: like. But acts of unchastity, acts of I, unchastity. I, I really, whoever drafted that, props to you. I really like it. So good work. <laughs> I think something
1: funny about this complaint, or not funny. Funny is probably the wrong word, but that Brandy said her vagin vagina her down netherlands smelled right her nether regions her netherlands nether regions smelled she didn't say that she had a disease she didn't say that like there was anything wrong i know it's like implied but it's kind of like her lawyer by writing it out there is like connecting the dots and like putting it out there do you know what i mean it's kind of like and i think that happens in these kind of lawsuits where it's like You're mad that someone said them, and it's damaging your reputation, but by filing the lawsuit, you're putting it in words again, and people are now drawn to it, and you're drawing more attention to it. Yeah. It's like the Streisand effect, you know?
0: Although I do – having watched Brandy on the show, I think she would have continued – Um, running with that because it was getting Brandy attention. Uh, Joanna was kind of a villain on Real Housewives of Miami at the time. And so when I went back and watched the Watch What Happens Live, where Brandy said these things, and it's from like seven years ago or something, I went and looked in the comments and almost everybody in the YouTube comments we supporting Brandy being like, yeah, get her. Yeah, don't start a Twitter war with Brandy. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. And then looking at it from afar years later, I'm like, this is just appalling and inappropriate on the part of Brandy. Like, you don't need to go that low. But at the time, Brandy was getting um, some accolades from fans saying, yeah, take Joanna down.
1: But to be completely honest, I didn't know who Joanna was when this lawsuit came out, but I knew there was a statement about her pussy smelling. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I didn't know who she was, but I knew that because of the lawsuit. So it just, I don't know, yeah, weird I- how it can have like an uh, the opposite effect than what is intended. That's not to say you shouldn't like sue for this kind of stuff. It's just an observation. It's just kind of interesting how that can happen.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's, I think you're making a really good point. Like, I mean, your goal is ostensibly to kind of erase this from the public memory and have it proven false. But in order to do that, you have to (laughs) have pleadings filed in court, which will be there forever that anybody can access. And then when you file a lawsuit and you're a reality star, it makes news. And then eventually, seven years later, we talk about it. So it's
1: (laughs) (laughs) here we are. Yeah, (laughs) we're putting it out there again. Yeah, I guess you just have to kind of balance. I don't know the benefit you would get from the lawsuit versus the Harm, not necessarily harm, but the 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 bad that you would get from filing it. Like, you're spreading it again. So just something to think
0: about. Should I say what Brandy was uh, sort of implying that she had? Like, should we explain, like? No, no, okay. no, no,
1: <laughs> no. I think the attorney did it well enough. Okay. I don't think we need to, yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't think we need to get into that. I but a, I do think <laughs> I have a lot of anatomy and medical knowledge because I would you practice law, you end up reading a lot of medical records if you're doing any type of, you know, injury claim or anything like that. And so I learned a lot of medical terminology and I would be intellectually curious. And even though it might not have something to do with the case, I would type in what something was and then like look it up. So I have a lot of random medical facts. I actually kind of enjoy yeah, reading I medical think, records. I don't know what's wrong with me.
1: I just think the attorney spelled it out.
0: We'll leave, so. we'll leave it with the attorney words.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I think we should talk about What slander is, what defamation is, what libel is, slander, defamation, libel, in normal people's speech, we kind of use them interchangeably to mean the same thing, but they do have some differences. Like at the crux, they're all about the same sort of thing, but the medium is what differs between them. So defamation is a false statement presented as fact that causes injury or damage to the character of the person it is about defamation of character happens when something untrue and damaging is presented as fact to someone else. Making the statement only to the person the statement is about is not defamation because it doesn't damage that person's character in anyone else's eyes. So defamation of character, for example, is like if I say something bad about Angela to someone else, but if I say something bad about Angela to Angela, it wouldn't count because it's not like someone else is perceiving that fact and like thinking less of Angela if that makes sense. Yeah. So stating an opinion isn't necessarily defamation. And not to, like, say that this is correct or accurate legal advice, but I this makes me think of the situation with Erica this season where, you know, Sutton saying, I think she's a liar. Or, I think that was a lie. That necessarily isn't defamation. She's stating her opinion. So that isn't necessarily defamation. And I'm not saying that was or wasn't. So don't take that as legal advice, but (laughs) just an example, if it implies a fact, so for example, if I say, I think Erica stole money from orphans, then it can be defamation because if untrue, it harms a reputation. So you can't just say like, I think, I think, I think like someone killed someone because that implies like that, that implies something. You can't just like frame it as an opinion to make it an opinion. It has to actually be an opinion to be Not defamation.
0: Is this making sense? It is. Now I'm thinking about how I have this, like, (laughs) creepy theory. I have a really creepy neighbor, and I'm like, he's a serial killer. (laughs) There you go. Uh (laughs) i like, I don't actually think he is, but he's done enough creepy things, and I've just my attorney brain, and then I've watched too much true crime, and I'm like, he is so Mm -hmm. weird. And then I was telling my husband about him, and my husband was like, you're exaggerating. And then my husband talked to him and he's like, I think he might be right. But so far.
1: <laughs> you're just gathering evidence. I, yeah, I
0: haven't I haven't like published that information and you guys don't know who he is, so it doesn't matter.
1: <laughs>
0: but that opinion part is that's why so many like news places will say allegedly.
1: And that's why it's like a buzzword to say allegedly, because it's when you're like reporting on a case, it's an allegation. You don't want to say it as fact because then that could go into the line of defamation. Another thing about defamation, and it has to be said with knowledge that it's untrue and for the purpose of harming that person's reputation. Libel and slander are both types of defamation. So de- defamation is kind of like the umbrella, and libel and slander are within the umbrella of defamation. Libel is an untrue defamatory statement made in writing, and slander is an untrue defamatory statement spoken orally. That's why this case is about slander, because... Brandy said them orally on Watch What Happens Live. She didn't write them in a tweet. If it had been in a tweet, it would be libel because it was written down.
0: That's what I was about to say. I was like, Twitter is libel. <laughs> YouTube <laughs> is slander. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you have to, like, show, like, intent to harm, which is requires men's rea, right approving proving what was in somebody's mind when they were doing something. And I feel right. like the statement that she made, like— well, Muhammad did tell me that her pee smelled. I'm not lying. Lisa Vanderpump was there when he said it. Sorry bitch, I win. That I mean like the sorry bitch I win is not like great for that element of <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's like clearly you're trying to like get back at someone or hurt them or one up them. So I, you know, that isn't great for Brandy with regard to that element. And that's a direct Quote of what Brandy said. Yeah. But the problem
1: is that the absolute defense is truth. So if the statement made is true, it's not defamation. Right. So then that's where the case gets interesting because then you're getting into proving <laughs> whether or not she cheated or not cheated, con- committed the unchast- unchaste, unchaste, unchaste <laughs> act. The acts um, of unchastity. Thank you. The acts of in chastity. You're proving that. And then you have to prove whether or not her pee smells. Right. And then, so... (laughs) It's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous, but that's what happens in these cases. And, yeah, (laughs) it's just so ridiculous. And, And it almost feels like it shouldn't matter if it's true or not. Like you were saying, if Brandy said it to be mean, it shouldn't matter if it's true. But that's how the law... Works so,
0: yeah, truth is a truth is a defense, truth is an absolute defense to these, yeah. But if you're saying
1: something true in a mean way, there should be some recourse, but that's
0: just how the law of
1: defamation is.
0: I do kind of agree with you philosophically because there was Brandy never alleged that she had personal knowledge of Joanna's smelly Gatino. It's like, that's like you know, yeah. What should we say instead of that? I'm saying I'm gonna use the Italian word for kitten. Because that's also like a friend's reference to the song "Smelly Cat," so okay, that's
1: um, yeah. Like I don't want to keep saying it because it feels gross um, or icky to keep it repeating. So I'll I'll come up with something. What were you saying? I don't remember now. I got distracted. Oh shit! I'm so sorry. Sorry.
0: <laughs> oh, I was saying. Uh, philosophically, philosophically, I agree with you on the law in this instance, but probably not in most instances, because Brandy mm-hmm. never alleged that she had personal knowledge of Joanna's uh, Gatino. So I don't. It, and Brandy has alleged that she's had personal knowledge of other, you know, private areas of women. So I don't like it's just Brandy. I don't know. Brandy's just a mess. <laughs> she is a mess.
1: Wait, I never put together that smelly cat could be about the same thing.
0: (laughs) I don't think it is. I think it's totally innocent on friends. I was just saying that. I was like, wow, that is...
1: Mind blowing. Okay.
0: Well maybe maybe it is. Maybe maybe you're in on the joke and I'm not. I no, I don't I don't think there's anything I just like you know, Gatino's like Italian for kitten. And so it's just like, Oh, it's like smelly cat. Like maybe we could got ju- it. We can just say smelly cat. Smelly cat. Okay, we're I'm gonna cool say smelly that. cat. We're professional attorneys, but we are saying smelly cat in court. We would absolutely repeat the words and we would speak them from our chest, but this is Which our p- they, Yeah. Yeah. It's our podcast and we can do what we want, so.
1: (laughs) Right. Smelly cat. Yes. Anyway, so she claimed in her original complaint three different claims, slander, slander per se, and then intentional infliction of emotional distress. She ended up dropping the intentional infliction of emotional distress, which is a mouthful to say, and kept slander and slander per se. And I was like, what is the difference? So slander per se is a claim where the statements are so inherently defamatory that the harm to plaintiff's reputation is presumed and they don't have to prove damages. So Joanna doesn't have to go and say, this is how I was damaged. It's like the statement is so bad that a reasonable person would be like, yeah, that's bad.
0: And I think in this instance, a reasonable person would be like, yeah, that's bad. You said that on national television. It's there forever. That's something anybody would be like uh, just – embarrassed about if somebody said it about them, especially on TV. And you're a woman who is in the public eye with all these other types of modeling and TV show type jobs. So I, I actually it's very difficult to meet that standard. I've looked at some case law where it's like what the court thinks a reasonable person is, is typically like, I think people are more reasonable than that.
1: Oh, yeah. The the bar is low for being a reasonable person. <laughs>
0: But this this is this I feel like it would clearly meet that standard in my opinion. Right. And we'll get to what happened. Today we're just
1: setting this up. Yeah, do you want to talk about some like notable cases where similar like
0: defamation has been alleged and whatnot? Yeah, Johnny Depp has a case in the United States right now talking about uh for for like 50 million dollars against Amber Heard for defamation and the judge in the United States is letting that proceed even though they uh didn't find um, for Depp in the UK. But the UK law is like way different on this type of issue. And it was actually neither Johnny Depp or Amber Heard were parties in that case. It was the newspaper um, being sued. So well, actually, Johnny Depp was a party, but like the newspaper was the party, not Amber Heard. So in the United States, the laws are much different. He is Suing Amber Heard and the judge is allowing it to proceed. And then Elon Musk had a defamation win with regard to social media. When I think, what did he call the guy? Called him. Oh, a pedo man. A pedo Pedo man. man. Like you can just Google Elon. Pedo man. Yeah. Google Elon Musk and pedo man. Don't worry, I don't think you'll be triggered or anything. It's just it was like a comment Elon Musk made on Twitter. So as we've taught you, that is sussy. Libel, libel, because it's written down. And Elon ended up winning. And a lot of the people, like attorneys, or p- area, people that practice practiced in this area of the law, were really surprised at Elon winning. And they attributed it to basically like Elon being charismatic and then also people recognizing that people just do make flippant and offhand comments on Twitter. So it kind of has that case law they think is really might change the legal landscape for these types of cases. So I just kind of wanted to bring that up because it's interesting. So, yeah, just Google musk and pedo or pedo in that case will come up and it's pretty it's fascinating because this law has to evolve with our social media and with the way people behave i personally yeah. think people should be held to the same standards on social media i don't think you get a pass just because you said it on twitter but that's just my But that's like uh in this
1: article that you shared with me like trump won a lawsuit by saying that Twitter is just a, 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 a landscape for combatants to trade demeaning messages. Like, that's just what you do on Twitter. That was his defense, and that's how he won a case. Yeah. Related to stuff he said he put on Twitter. I still don't agree with that. i just <laughs> avoiding Twitter.
0: I'm not. <laughs> um, we have a Twitter, but we mostly use it to try to correct misinformation about cases or, you know, answer questions about things. Like, we kind of. It just Twitter is just like everybody, just like in a room, yelling at each other and saying mean things. And mm-hmm. we don't like it, we like civility. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something else. Um,
1: I don't know if this is too far of a deviation, but like I read that article where Elon Musk was like, Yeah, I won, like free speech wins, and it's like,
0: mm, I don't think. He or most people understand how free speech really works. Yeah. It's not like a get out of jail free card for saying anything. That's not how that works. Right. And if you're on a private
1: platform, this is another Trump example, and your account gets suspended, you can't say, oh, no, but I have free speech. Oh, like yeah.
0: That drives me nuts when Trump's I hear that. Did.
1: Yeah. Right. Because it's a private platform. Free speech is free speech against regulation by the government. It's not regulation by private citizens like 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 if you walk up to a stranger and the stranger's like i have free speech and like i can say whatever i want like no like you can still tell them to shut up
0: yeah (laughs) it's not yeah yeah it's it's
1: probably a terrible example but
0: but i mean so like it's like okay protesters on public property are allowed you know that's a free speech issue if you want to go out and protest uh you know a law and people do and that's one of the the fundamental things with our democracy in America, and that actually does create change. And it's very important. That is free speech. And then even when we don't like what the protesters are saying, it's still free speech, and they're allowed to do that. But you cannot use a private platform and then get mad at the private platform for saying, well, no, we don't want you to say that. That's literally, it's not the government telling you, you can't do it. It's totally different. Or if you bring your protest into a Taco Bell, the Taco Bell can kick you out. Exactly, it's not you don't free speech, have free Karen. Speech. Karen. <laughs>
1: so there we go. Yes. I thought that was important to highlight because I think Elon Musk got it wrong when he said, "I have free speech."
0: He's he's crafty, and that's a smart way to frame it because people, you know, pe- like even you use the United States Constitution for your. It's like, oh, I've got the backing of the Constitution. I was defending everyone's rights. So, uh, it's like a PR move. I get like yeah. why he would say that, but it's not accurate.
1: <laughs> right. All right. So, what should we get into next? I mean, I think the discovery in this case was really cool. Maybe we should go over that. And I like pointed out to Angela that I I've, I've never practiced it in state court, so I've never seen where like they filed their discovery requests and their answers like on the docket so we can go through and read them.
0: I'm just so thrilled that we can do that. Um, Yeah. And props to Miami-Dade County for making all of these documents free. We think court documents should always be free and accessible to everyone. I think that's something that should be just available in America because of how our judicial system works. But Yeah, state. So like federal courts, just everybody knows, are like very particular about their dockets and they don't want to see your discovery requests unless you're going to file a motion to compel or a motion for protective order or something like that. Like they don't want to look at them. They don't want to see it like you file notices sometimes. But like some courts don't even want that. Like the Western District of Texas does not even want to see your notices to like prove that you serve them. They're like, don't we don't want to look at it don't be cluttering up our docket with this nonsense state courts are a lot different this is actually my first time seeing a state court that wanted the full request filed. like most of the time even in state courts you just file a notice of certificate of service saying that you've served discovery requests on you know the opposing party and i think we should probably explain like what discovery what, are. what discovery yeah. is and what they are like yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, because I think we it's come up in every case because it's a part of every case.
0: But discovery is like the cool part where you're getting the evidence for your case. When you file a case, depending on what jurisdiction you're in, sometimes the discovery period starts immediately. If you're in federal court, there's rules and you can't send discovery until you've done your initial disclosures, which is where the courts require you to turn over the stuff that you already have that you're going to use. And they do that to be like, look, you already know you're going to use this. You obviously had to collect some documents before you filed this lawsuit. You need to turn it over. Um, And that's, you know, the federal rules. So state courts, um, the timing is sometimes different, but you have a limited amount of time to do discovery. And discovery is supposed to be an enlightened procedure in search for the truth. But unfortunately, a lot of times it ends up with bickering between counsel over what they're going to give up and what they're not.
1: It's like a very strategic time.
0: Yes. Like you...
1: Sometimes give what you know is good and sometimes, like, argue over what you know is bad and, you know, give a little and, you know, it's like this gamemanship and you have, like, these meet and confers, which is where you go over what you produced or your objections and the other party's like why why do you think this is relevant i'm not going to give it to you and then they have to say like why they think it's relevant and you just bicker about it and you negotiate and
0: i also love discovery a lot of attorneys hate it i feel like when i get discovery responses it's like christmas i love just this my inherent curiosity of what i'm going to get what they've provided all that stuff and like seeing how whatever it is like the whatever documents they've got, I actually love it. But requests for admissions are once they're so it's like you send a request and say, you know, admit blah blah blah, admit that you were home in your house from the hours of 7 to 10 p.m. on August 4th, 2012 or something, right? And so they have to admit or deny. And then if they deny, they they can just deny or they can give like, well, I was there from this to this time. But like once it's admitted, it's admittable. It's admissible. So it's like a fact. Yeah. You can literally hand it to the jury or it's a fact that's already been proven. And I like to use them a lot to like go ahead and get the other side to admit to things that we're really we, I know they can't argue over. It just shortens up things for like it shortens up time for trial. It makes it so that like you don't have like if it's something that like it's maybe in a necessary point that's not disputed it makes summary judgment easier um and then you can even submit yeah. those like on a list to the jury saying these are agreed upon facts that have been admitted now one thing i also Well a lot of the, a lot of times people aren't going to admit
1: the juiciest right, stuff right like if the case is about defamation you're not going to admit that what you said was a lie <laughs> like <laughs> right so you have to be strategic about how you use those cuz you're not going to be <laughs> They're not going to admit to the whole crux of the case. right? So.
0: And also, most jurisdictions have a rule with requests for admissions that if they're denied but they're later found out to be true, then the other side that denied it when it actually was true has to pay for your costs of, like, discovery and stuff. So they do have some teeth to them if you can get the court to enforce that. And then requests for production or when you ask for documents um, from the other side that you believe that they have or that you know that they have. Um And so you request copies of those. There's a (laughs) – like e-discovery, especially in federal court, is dangerous and difficult, and it's sometimes hard to comply with. So a lot of times, like if you're requesting emails, you have a conference. You almost – well, you have to have a conference in federal court to discuss whether you want them produced in native format. If you want them produced in like the TIFF format, you discuss metadata. As attorneys now, like, we really have to be technologically savvy or else we're not doing yeah, the right things for our I, clients.
1: Ceci spent familiar yeah, with like this. <laughs> most of my practice has been on e-discovery. And you would be shocked at the things that you can find out in metadata. Things like when a file was created, yeah. could make or break your case, who the author was on the on the yeah. document. The file path, like, how the document was saved. Yeah. Um, Just... I had no idea. Same with like, uh, here's another tip, um, hidden pages in an Excel. That stuff, like you have to check this stuff. I hate Excel.
0: <laughs> I like Excel for using it to track the things I'm doing. I don't like producing Excels. I don't like it's, yeah, Excel sheets. It's yeah. But I mean, the, what it says he's talking about, those types of things have been You know, the smoking guns in cases. And it's just simple. Like sometimes it's just as simple as the metadata that's contained in a document. And you can't, you're also not allowed to delete that stuff. You can't just, you know, print it out, produce a PDF and be like, here you go. Like that's not going to cut it, especially in federal court. It's not good. And this, like when I first started practicing, I'm old compared to Sessie and like, the attorneys I worked with were very old male trial attorneys and they hated technology, hated it. I'm like, y'all don't have a choice. <laughs> like, you've got to learn how these things work or else, like, going to cause problems. Very good trial attorneys. Yeah. Or like
1: older judges, because back <laughs> in the day when we didn't have the computers, you'd have bankers boxes of discovery and you would send an associate or multiple associates to go through banker boxes and pull out the documents that were responsive. And that's what I think a lot of the older judges today think is discovery when really it's like these massive databases <laughs> and I think a, a good way to, like, put this into context in Bravo land is um, the Gen Shaw case, where they said they had, like, multiple – I don't mm-hmm. remember how many gigabytes of data exchanged, and it was, like, tens of millions of pages. And that's not, like, crazy. It's a lot of documents, but it's not beyond the realm, because what happens is these go these go into, like, databases. And then the way that you find them is by applying, like, terms to find the documents that are the most yes. relevant or responsive yeah. to the requests. And then you have teams of people clicking through and, like, marking them and as to whether or not they are responsive. And then that's how it gets produced. But, you know, the older judges are thinking that you're sitting there over a, a box and that it's easy. Like, oh, just pull it out. When really it's like this huge, massive amounts of data. And who knew? Who knew this is what we would be doing? Law school does not teach you that.
0: <laughs> no. And if you're listening to this, just the E in email, you should always think of that as evidence. Never send an email unless you're okay with that email being read to a judge or a jury of 12 people. Like, just don't. Don't. The text message is the same thing. Like, just it's all evidence. And that comes up in this case that we're talking about. Like, the discovery requests are so juicy. They're so Bravo juicy. They're so good. Um,
1: (laughs) Do you want to just lastly say interrogatories? That's like the Q&A. So
0: interrogatories are... um, where you send like a question that requires a narrative response, like request for admission. You have to write the request in a way that somebody can just say admit. And so if you do them correctly, it a lot of times works as a funnel where you have them admit to progressive facts and you kind of funnel them down to like a conclusion that you want. Um, But in, but it has to just be like admit or deny. And if they deny, they can give context. But ideally you write it in a way where it's just, they have to say admit um, interrogatories allow for a more narrative response, like, you know, in an employment law case, like provide a narrative of how, you know, your employees are instructed to handle this type of situation, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then you can use those interrogatory responses. They have to be signed by, um, whoever is like provi- whoever from your client is providing the information and has knowledge of it. And then you can depose yeah, like verified, Yeah, verified. Thank you. And then when you take a deposition, you can like slide those across the table and mark them as exhibit two or whatever and have them say, well, you know, what information did you, who did you talk to to get this? How did you know that this was correct? Is this, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, and I've had that happen where attorneys have entirely written them for their client. The client didn't really read them. And then, the you know, when you mark them as a exhibit in a deposition and they read the response, they're like, well, no, that's not right. And then it looks bad. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. They're like, oh, you, it says here you wrote this. Did you not write, r- write this? Um, yeah, I think a lot of attorneys might see discovery as really tedious, but I think it gives an incredible insight into what the other side is going to be arguing. Yeah. Because you can tell based on what they're asking and what they're requesting, what documents they want, where they're going with it. So it's a really helpful tool on both sides. But going back to the case – Joanna files some requests for admission with her complaint, and there are things like, (laughs) like what I said you probably shouldn't do. At the time you said the statement, you knew it was false. You intended to damage Joanna when you said the statements about adultery. The smelly cat statement is called the malodorous statement in these. I thought that was funny. And then the (laughs) statement about sushi is called the sushi statement. And then they also attached one of Brandy's tweets and asked her to confirm she tweeted it or directed someone else to. And the tweet isn't what you would expect. It's not a tweet about the situation. It's a tweet where Brandy says she would beg, borrow, or sell her soul to the devil or Andy to provide for her children.
0: I can see why. And, like, that's uh, that's another thing I forgot to request for admission can also – you can send over documents or – uh, you know copies of people's social media or whatever and have them admit that they sent that like it like basically authenticate the documents or authenticate the statements and then those become there's no dispute like you don't have to lay a foundation for it if you want to use it at trial. but I can I can see why they they added that tweet because it's basically I think that tweet would go to her intentions when she's making the statements about Joanna, it's like this is shows her state of mind when she says mm-hmm. uh, she would do anything. She would yeah. sell her soul to the devil or Andy <laughs> to provide for her children. It just shows like that's her state of mind, the links that she would go to. So I, I can I can see why they added also just makes her look terrible. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's true. Um and then in response to these brandy Admits that she said Joanna slept with Muhammad and attaches an exhibit where a gossip site published that Joe Francis confirmed the affair. Wait. So she's like, not
0: only did I say it. Is hmm. Joe Francis the girl's gone wild? Yeah. Okay. I was like, that name rings a bell. Like. He pops up everywhere, too. Really.
1: Like, he's everywhere in these Bravo <sighs> cases and gossip stuff. He's everywhere. Yeah. So she's like, not only did I say it. And not only do I not think it's untrue, Joe Francis said it to a gossip site.
0: So, I don't know how reliable of a source Joe Francis is,
1: but okay. She denied knowing the cheating statement was false, denied knowing that the smell statement was false. She said the statement she made about to to, to Andy as to whether he ever had bad sushi, she said it was... Merely a nonsensical, comedic question and not a statement of fact about Joanna. It was a comedic attempt to be humorous during a late night show. She also pointed to a tweet that Brandy twi- tweeted, twitted <laughs> that apologized to Joanna saying, I'm sure you smell as beautiful as you look and I won't talk about it again. So I guess Brandy did apologize, but...
0: I mean, too late. it's kind of late for that. It's... Uh, too late. yeah. I mean, it's like the response of like, oh, it's just a comedic, you know, statement and not a. it reminds me of like I was taking this guy's deposition once and I was representing the defendant in the case, which was a large corporation. And this guy was a particularly difficult employee who caused all kinds of problems. And when I was taking his deposition under oath, which was also being videotaped, he kept saying he didn't remember or couldn't remember, even though. It was clear, like this is something you would remember. And also, you said this and wrote it down and whatever else. And as a, you know, is there, sir, is there a reason you're having trouble remembering things today? Um, and he said, Well, I don't use my brain for storage, I use it for creativity. And that's probably one of my favorite lines in a deposition. <laughs> <laughs> At least he
1: knows how he uses his brain.
0: It's not for storage, it's for creativity. And I'm like, If only I could live that way. And I also did not have to use my brain for storage, because I have to use it for storage all the time. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Anyway.
1: That's amazing. Go on. <laughs> um, Joanna also serves some requests for production to Brandy. Um, it's basically just documents to support her statements, and then messages with Mohammed, Lisa Vanderpump, Yolanda, Kim Richards, Joe Francis, Girls Gone Wild guy, Kyle Richards, either about the... statement she made or about the salmon incident (laughs) um do you want to talk about what the salmon
0: incident i'm still not entirely sure but it, it seems like joanna was at a restaurant and then i think was it brandy and lisa vanderpump were also at that restaurant and they sent over a like plate of salmon to joanna krupa is that what happened yeah so it was an incident she puts
1: it in the definition of the request she said the Salmon Incident refers to an incident <laughs> at Craig's in West Hollywood where a plate of salmon was sent to Joanna. It's not really clear, like, from that who was there. But, like, she asks for documents between LVP and Brandy, Kyle Richards and Brandy and, Kib- and Yolanda yeah. and Brandy about the salmon incident. So that makes me think that they were all there.
0: And by documents, she wants text messages, emails, any, you know, type of Social media correspondence, like if you're DMing, like she's asking for all of that. Like, has it been talked about? Like, have you had a conversation with any of these people in any form of messaging format, essentially?
1: You know what? Thinking about this semen thing kind of reminds me of the, like, bill thing that recently came out between LVP and Kyle, um, where, like, she sent Kyle the bill. Do you remember that? They were, like, out to dinner
0: she's at one of she oh and the, were they in the same restaurant and she sent kyle yeah i didn't remember that one yeah. i i that was a couple months ago yeah. I there's been a couple shady things like she like lvp was presented like wanted her to sign like a cast photo and she signed over everyone else's faces i think i don't know i still like lvp i don't care yeah
1: <laughs> but the no but it's just like she likes to send things to people at restaurants supposedly but yeah, so now we have the malodorous statement, which is the the smelly cat, the sushi statement, which is the statement like Andy Hebupa had bad sushi, and then we have the salmon incident. I like how they just like name everything. I love the in salmon incident
0: and like the acts of unchastity, <laughs> like in <and> the yeah, <laughs> I love it. The I like the uh, nomenclature of this lawsuit, most of it. Mm -hmm.
1: Should I talk about Brandy's uh, answer to the complaint? Yeah,
0: say, like, explain affirmative defenses and, like, filing an answer and all of that. Did she file the motion to dismiss before she filed? She filed that before she filed the answer, yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah, so she filed a motion to dismiss, trying to, like, get the claims knocked out, and that was denied. And then so... Brandy then had to answer the complaint because, you know, if it keeps going, you have to respond to the complaint. And she files an answer and then puts in affirmative defenses. You can probably explain affirmative defenses better than I can.
0: Well, I mean, it's basically like so you respond and a lot of times. And if so, OK, so there's the complaint, which is sometimes called a petition, depending on what jurisdiction you're in, that gets filed, which alleges most of the time it's just a short and plain statement of the facts um, and then the causes of action that you're alleging. So like basically like, here's what happened, and here's the legal action I want the court to take on my behalf. And that's the um, complaint or petition. And then here, Brandy filed a pre-answer motion to dismiss, which was saying like, I'm not even answering this. This is all garbage. The, the court should throw all this out on its face. The court said, nope, we're letting this continue. So then Brandy had to file an answer. And normally, you just do like a general denial, of everything, Sometimes you do admit to certain like facts that you're not going to dispute. Like, yes, I live at this address. Yeah. Yes, this is, you know, my, you know, I'm, I'm properly named or whatever. Um, but then you have affirmative defenses and affirmative defenses are saying, yes, these things happened, but they're not illegal because A, B and C or there's no actionable uh, legal claim here because of A, B and C. You can claim like estoppel, latches, waiver, uh, all kinds of things. And it's important to allege them because a lot of times if you don't, you waive the affirmative defense.
1: But they are prescribed by law. And I think that's something that Brandy's counsel didn't do here. They didn't like tie her affirmative defenses to any statute or anything. It wasn't like a prescribed affirmative defense. Their affirmative defenses are kind of, (laughs) in Brandy's answer, kind of like her retelling of what actually happened. And of course, Joanna's counsel moves to strike all that as like, improperly pled because you can't just like put in your version of events without like tying it to an actual affirmative defense yeah so and it also reads kind of like brandy just told this to her attorneys and they like transcribed it for her so i'll read it (laughs) it says with respect to the statements on november 11th 2013 bravo episode about hadid having sexual relations with krupa and krupa's private parts Glanville did not make such statements knowing them to be false, nor with serious doubts about their truthfulness. To the contrary, Glanville reasonably believed such statements were true, as she was merely recounting what she was told and confirmed to her at the party of Vanderpump's house by individuals she reasonably believed were reliable sources, Hadid And Vanderpump, who had been close personal friends for several years. Glanville was also aware that RumorFix.com had reported during 2012 that Joe Francis told them that Hadid had an affair with Krupa and then blah, 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 blah. And then she goes into the silly comedic thing again. But she's just basically like word vomiting what she thinks happened. So,
0: yeah, I actually looked up the attorney in Miami that Brandy used. And it looks like this person is a very good attorney. But it looks like the majority of their practice was in, like, you know, land use and eminent domain litigation, which is a very different type of practice than this type of uh, kind of tort litigation. You know, like, yeah, like, it, he looks like he looks like a very good attorney, but it also looks like this is not necessarily like the type of law that he practices all the time. And a lot of the civil procedure things are the same. But there's some other things that are quite a bit different. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But then it's interesting because Brandy can- Brandy's counsel withdraws and we'll get to lie. <laughs> God, but so then messy. she gets another counsel. It's so messy. But then she gets another counsel who then files an amended answer. And the amended answer cuts out all that narrative and actually pleads affirmative defenses. So it's like she got a new attorney who was like, this isn't right. <laughs> Let me clean it up for you. Um, and let's refile. So, yeah. Do you want to talk about like this whole attorney drama? What
0: happened? Well, okay. So there, as part of discovery, um, Joanna's counsel had set out like a bunch of notices of deposition and you, the deposition is what a lot of people have heard of, um, where the attorney shows up, there's a court reporter, the court reporter swears you in. So you are testifying under oath. But unlike at trial, you're allowed to really ask, you know, what you're the questions you're asking don't have to be relevant to the case necessarily. You just most places you have to, like, show that there's like a reasonable like inference that it could lead to something admissible or lead to something relevant. But you're allowed to go much farther. Um, and a lot of times in cases like this, they're videotaped. And. Um, and nobody likes being deposed, so she had sent out notices to Lisa Vanderpump, Kyle Richards, Mohammed Hadid. And when I say she, I mean like Joanna Krupa's attorney. Um, I think there's like Yolanda. Yolanda, and I think there may have been another person. I'm trying to remember now. But you, one thing you don't want to do to your friends is make them have to testify in a lawsuit for you, unless it's like absolutely necessary. I can say like, like, you have to have really, really good friends who really, like I just, it's like, I would, I would hesitate to do that to one of my friends, even if I felt like I was right. Or, you know, it's like, I would talk to them before I filed a lawsuit saying like, look, I'm going to have to use you as a witness. Are you okay with this? Here's what's likely to happen because depositions are not fun. They can go for a long time. The testimony can get leaked out or whatever. And it's unpleasant. And a lot of times, like the witness likes to have their own counsel there to protect them from anything. So it's and beca- so it can be very expensive and time consuming on a lot of different levels. And nobody likes to do it. Now, <laughs> Brand- uh, can I make a
1: point? It's also kind of interesting, because Joanna is subpoenaed Yolanda to testify. And if the cheating actually happened, it was when Yolanda was married to Mohammed. So she's trying to get Yolanda to testify to say good like useful things for her case but i think yolanda was denying that muhammad cheated yolanda did deny i know but still even like the question of it it doesn't seem like a favorable witness so
0: i mean these are all wealthy people that have access to resources and so anyway okay so all these deposition notices get sent out um by joanna's attorney and when you get subpoenaed for one you have to show up like you can get in trouble for not showing up the court can order you to appear hold you in contempt require you to pay fees if you properly are served with a subpoena for a deposition and then you just ignore it so it, it it's a lot and um right before these depositions are about to take place brandy's attorney files a uh, request to withdraw from representing brandy saying that they have Irreconcilable differences and like basically no meeting of the mind. And then Joanna's attorney, because Brandy can't help herself. And she tweets uh, Joanna's attorney files a notice to let the court know that like Brandy has fired her attorney and then. Like, so what did she say in the tweets, Sessie? She said, um, fifty G spent on this foolish
1: lawsuit. <laughs> I've let I have to let my attorneys go. I won't waste the money that I've saved for the past five years on a frivolous lawsuit. So that's one of the tweets. I thought it was funny that she put that she saved money for five years. It must be like her housewife's checks, but like girl, you should be spent like saving your money beyond five years. <laughs> anyway. It's, and then yeah. the second one, um, she says she, like, puts out this tweet and says, like, anyone who wants to represent her can contact, can contact her. She, like, puts a, a person's name to contact. Or she's going to defend herself and says depositions are coming up soon.
0: Yeah, not a good look um, for the court <laughs> or for anybody else. And so then, like, Brandy gets a new attorney and the new attorney files an emergency motion to continue the depositions because, like, obviously she's brand new to the case and, like... It's but like just as an attorney who's practiced for a long time, looking at this from the outside, whenever you see uh, whenever you see like an attorney get filed, like fired, like mid lawsuit or like when things are about to happen or whatever, it's a real bad look on the client because one attorneys like billable hours and we like to get paid. And you really have to really push us to the limit um, for an attorney to be like, I'm not representing you. And. I can see how Brandy would be a difficult client. I can I can see that. Um, that that makes that kind of tracks. It makes sense to me that she would be perhaps difficult to control or work with. Um, what do you think, Ceci?
1: <laughs> oh, no, I agree. I also just love how she did it right before depositions and thought it was wise to defend herself in a deposition. I would have loved to read that.
0: That. Yeah, she's gonna ask the questions like like under oath, like to Lisa Vanderpump and Kyle Richards and Muhammad <laughs> Hadid like like Brandy's gonna do the questioning. Um I don't like or defend those depositions. Like I don't I just I don't I don't Mm-mm. not yeah. good. But she does get a new attorney. Um but she filed so yeah.
1: She has to spend more than 50 G.
0: Yeah. That you yeah. <laughs> but she filed the notice of the tweet. Joanna filed the notice, like and then printed out the tweets, I think, to inform the court potentially that it was Brandy's misbehavior um, that caused the delay in the depositions and it wasn't something that like couldn't have been yeah. like prevented or foreseen. Because once you do like you get the court report, like schedule a deposition. You have to get them served with a deposition notice. You have to get the court reporter set up. Like this is in Beverly Hills is where they're taking the depositions, but the case is filed in Miami. So you have to like have plane tickets and like, like all of this preparation and planning to show up at these depositions. So it causes a lot of problems if you cancel them at the last minute and you've already, you know, paid for like retain, right. you know, that type of stuff.
1: Especially if you're, like, running up on deadlines for filing summary judgment or, you know, the close of discovery is, like, around the corner. Sometimes you, like, can't. You just –
0: you have, like, no time. Yeah. The other side's paid their attorney's hours for preparing and it's, like – it's just – it's expensive and messy. And – (laughs) Yeah. Announcing that you've fired your attorney on Twitter is not a good look.
1: Yeah. And then when you're like, oh, please move it. Like, we need more time. And it's like, no, Brandy, this is your fault. You fired your attorney. Right. Anyway, so some of the discovery that Brandy files on Joanna, I think we should talk touch on that. Oh, yeah. So she asks Joanna for her Real Housewives of Miami contracts and NBC contracts. She asks for messages with Mohammed Hadid, messages with LVP. So that's between Joanna and Mohammed, Joanna and LVP. Any and all of your medical records from 2000 to the present. And Joanna refuses to produce anything to any of these. She just stands on all of them. Um, she objects. She's like, these are too overbroad, completely irrelevant. I'm not producing anything. Brandy moves to compel, and Brandy's motion is granted. And moving to compel is this is, I'm going to put it in really layman's terms you're frustrated. <laughs> You don't like the answer that the other side gave you. You want those documents. You go to the court and say, this is why they're relevant. Like, it's not that burdensome. You know, it's proportional to the needs of the case. Um, This is why we need them. And the other side says, no, this is all wrong. And then the court orders based on that.
0: Yeah. So the court grants a lot of the requests that Brandy made to Joanna and, I mean, a lot of courts in most jurisdictions, discovery is, they say it's really broad. They're like, look, you know, you're involved in a lawsuit. This, a lot of times, it's sometimes it's difficult to get things limited. Um, mm-hmm. And so, she has- yeah. Yeah, because it's like the standard of relevance
1: is lower, but to get it admissible, like, into court it's a higher standard. But
0: I will say the gyno records mm-hmm. from 2000 to 2005, those, those gynecological records on uh from Joanna Krupa, they were, the judge did at least say, these are for an in-camera inspection. So Brandy doesn't get to read your gynecological records unless I, like her her attorney doesn't get them unless I, being the judge, look at them and say, okay, yes, there is something relevant in here. And the judge did allow her to redact like non-relevant things. Yes. So do you want to say what the order was? She had to produce part of her Real Housewives contract. She was allowed to redact parts of it. And I'm assuming she like Brandy wanted those because there's usually a provision in those contracts from what people have said that says you can't like sue cast members. You agree to be like a public figure. You agree that they can, you know, create storylines and misrepresent information. And so I'm assuming Brandy would say that's relevant to like her ability to claim that she was somehow damaged from like a like a A statement like this because like when you make yourself a public figure in the manner of being a real housewife or on one of these types of reality shows you kind of waive your claim for saying like oh they uh are making up lies about me because like we talked about in our southern charm episode at least on like the small appearance release we were able to look at like they literally had like whoever's signing that has to like literally agree yes you can lie about me yes you can Um, portray me in a false light yes you can um, lie to me about something like you have to like agree to all that so i'm assuming that's why they wanted that then what else else was there
1: her gynecological records like you just mentioned from 2000 to 2005 and then her correspondence with lisa vanderpump andy oh andy i forgot about that (laughs) yeah she asked for her messages with andy mohammed So it's LVP, Andy and Mohammed, as it relates to the allegations in her complaint and her appearance on the Real Housewives of Miami, except for salary discussions. So this is all stuff Joanna has to produce. Yeah. Um, And the gyno records are probably to prove whether or not the smelly cat statement
0: was was indeed a lie. Yeah, because like (laughs) Ceci said, truth is a defense. So if there's anything in those records in that time frame that would indicate that Joanna did have, uh, what is the word, malodorous uh, issues with that area of her anatomy, then that would be a defense. And so that is actually relevant in this claim. Like, (laughs) ugh.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I think we're going to end it there before we get into what actually happened and like what these things said and summary judgment and blah, 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 because there's still a lot more to get to.
0: Oh, yeah. This is this case. It's so okay. So we've got because there were multiple motions for summary judgment filed. There's really, 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 really juicy exhibits attached, including like deposition testimony from the people involved and other exhibits. And it's we've set this whole case up, explained like the underlying law and where it's at. And it's just I mean, I was just. I was, like, gleeful almost reading these because, like, it's, like, all, like, the main Bravo characters that are involved, and it's fascinating. So this case continues on for, like, another year and a half. Yeah. And we we have 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 a lot more to get to. So, and all the verified legal tea and documents. So we're excited (laughs) to talk about them. All right.
1: Well, thanks for tuning in. Until next time. Bye, guys. The Bravo Docket is part of the ACAST Creator Network.